the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Agnes Meinhold comes from a family background in hospitality excellence and got her start at a very young age following her father's footsteps. She graduated with a business degree and a focus in marketing from the University of Miami. In 2004, Meinhold met Cesar Zapata, a brilliant young chef, while opening the Four Seasons Brickle together. They both quickly formed an alliance and in 2010 finally got the opportunity to work together on their own project, a 20-seat progressive wine bar called Blue Piano. In 2011, Meinhold, along with Zapata, launched Fukia, a Miami pop-up restaurant long before the pop-up dining concept was trending. Its Vietnamese-inspired menu was considered groundbreaking in South Florida. In 2016, they reintroduced a grown-up version of Fukia as a standalone restaurant in the heart of Miami's Mimo district. Meinhold holds the title of general manager, though you can find her anywhere needed behind the bar slinging drinks on the line or greeting guests. Annie, welcome to Girls Gone Boss. Hi. So first of all, your bio, we had to cut it because your bio is crazy long. <laughs> so like we haven't even mentioned half of the frustration. I mean, she started working done. when she was 11 years old. Right. Jesus. Yeah. But we got to get into that because I think that people need to know that you've done so much more than just what we just mentioned. Right, right. So tell us about how you started when you were just 11 years old and like how you got into the whole family business. So um, my dad is in hotels. Um, and as a kid, between him being in hotels and, and my mom also having a boutique in a hotel setting, like I was always in that environment. So I was, you know, either six years old learning how to set a table, you know, um, helping my mom cook when I was like seven on a stool. Um, by the time I was 11, I was playing tennis and getting bored. And I was like, I don't want to be broke. I want to have money in my pocket. So I asked my dad if uh, there was anything I could do so I could make some scratch. So he basically put me in uh, the hotel spa as an 11 year old folding towels and cleaning bathrooms, making $6.50 an hour in Puerto Rico. So between that and then working at my mom's store, um, I was never broke as an 11 year old. And then on top of that, I'd go to the game room and you know, that, that, um, that game with the claw that you like get all the peluches out of the, out of the machine. Well, I got really good at that too. So I would like take, I would get all those, um, stuffed animals and I would run around and I would sell them and I would flip them for like two bucks a piece. Wow, you were hustling from <laughs> yeah. way young. <laughs> so creative, scrappy, for sure. <laughs> wow. Okay, but take us... Okay, so you're Vietnamese plus like... German. German, but I hear a little like Spanish accent. Is it yeah, just like, Miami? Like No, I was... So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I lived in San Juan until I was 14 years old. And then my family moved to Manhattan. And then we spent 10 years in Manhattan. And then the rest of it has been here in Miami. But where are your parents from? My mom is Vietnamese. Okay. And my dad's German. And that's where like the Vietnamese inspiration comes from. Very cool. Very nice. And yeah. so Sang Huang. So you have to learn Spanish. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So tell us about like living in Puerto Rico. And then you're the 11 year old hustling, learning. Like how was Annie back then? Um... I don't think she's that different than what she is today, truth be told. Like, whether it was, um, I've always just been, like, precocious, 
You know, I was the kid at the table that was talking about politics when they were 10. You know, I was always um, I did really well in school. I loved school. I was the that person in the front row that was always with their hands up. Me see, me see, me see. And it's like I was just always that person. Mm-hmm. I like because you were always by a, a, surrounded by adults. Yeah. I mean, I've always been surrounded by adults. Right. And, and you were also given a lot of responsibility, even like you asking to have that job. Yeah. You yourself like became an adult really young. I did. Because you're managing your own money, even yep. if it's like playing games or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. It's funny that you would say that because when we moved to New York the first day after my 14th birthday, and that was the year of this huge hotel strike in, in Manhattan. And my dad was general manager at a hotel and there was a picket line in the front and you know he was stressing out because... Every department was super slow, but the hotel was still busy. And and I started working the minute that I got to New York. The next day I had a job and I was working 40 plus hours in my summer vacation, making $16 plus an hour as a 14 year old. And and I and I walked into uh, the PBX room answering phones like this is how you answer a phone. And like it was like instant, like. Good afternoon, Swiss Hotel. This is Ania speaking. How can I help you? And and they gave you a system and you filled out the system and you dispatch whatever you need to dispatch. At the end of the shift, you corresponded and reconciled everything. And it was like, it was just seamless. I've been, And since that job, when I was 14 years old, I've literally always been with adults. So yeah, I guess I, I, guess I grew up quick, differently. Do you think it's because of the example, like you were seeing your dad and everyone kind of like working hard, like how... I'm just trying to think, like, where did that come from? Like, For sure, there's major work ethic in my house. Both my parents were workhorses. My dad, you know, when we moved to New York, he um, literally traveled 300 days out of the year. Wow. Yeah. So he was always working. And, and um, you know, when we were in Puerto Rico, my mother had two boutiques. And she was like, her boutique was the largest retailer of La Perla bathing suit, lingerie, like a whole line of like La Perla wear. Um, and she was always working and traveling. And I just thought it was like the normal thing to do. But don't get me wrong. Like I played like in Puerto Rico, I was playing volleyball, rollerblading, going to the beach, like what kids do on the island. Um, I was pretty normal, played tennis, but. But you I had just, a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, it's your surrounding. Like, you know what I mean? Like, since you're surrounded by that hard work ethic, like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's instilled in you from such a young age. So you don't know any different. No. And it was normal. Right. And so, you know, you go, we would go to the hotel as kids and we would dine. And then at home, it was, it was the same thing. Like, we would set the table the way that they do it at the restaurant with, like, the fork on the right and the knife on the, I'm sorry, fork on the left, knife on the right, the glass that was, like, right on top of, like, the blade of the fork. Like, everything was properly lined up in my house too so it's like there was no separation it's so funny how i'm now correlating everything like young annie to now you because i'm like wow like it's so funny how like it just aligned for you to get into this business because you've been doing it for so long it's, mm-hmm. com- it's almost like like second nature it's second nature yeah. to me it's it's innate completely you how you would set it at home and i'm sh- and you're here like we we arrived we're at fukia by the way guys again you already know that we love fukia thank you for hosting us here of course. again um and she's here like oh what do you want some coffee she brings it she serves it she's just like it's like she's in hosting her us. yeah she i could see like the host in you and mm-hmm. it doesn't stop right no <laughs> It's it's honestly it's just part of my person. It's part of my personality. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, like I have long-standing relationships with guests that I've been serving 
since 2004. Wow. From every place that I've been to, because I've also, you know, for the most part, worked front of house. So it's like when you make that relationship, when you meet someone and you make them feel genuinely welcome in your space, that's magic. Super magic. Yeah. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. And where relationships are built. Mm -hmm. Okay. So speaking of relationships, you meet Caesar, right? Yeah. So tell us about that in 2004. We met in 2003. So the Four Seasons Brickle opened in 2003. And that was the second hotel opening I had done by that time. And um, he was a cook. And I was the assistant room service manager. And we just became friends. I mean, honestly, no. at first, he hated my guts. <laughs> he really did. He hated my guts. He thought that I was god-awful. And, you know, I was not the nicest person. But then, like, we ended up hanging out. And he's like, oh, wow, she's smart. She's driven. She actually isn't talking shit. She like knows what she's doing. And then we just became friends after that. And what became friendship lasted 14 years of a really awesome relationship. You were able to like, like you said to us earlier that the 14 years was of creation. Yeah. You guys were able to create so much, Mm -hmm. including like the first endeavor that you guys did together, which was, was a blue piano. Blue piano. Tell us about that. So we started working together. Well, we worked before the Blue Piano. We worked together at a bunch of different places. So we did the Four Seasons. We did Fratelli Leone. Um, and then finally, um, for the Blue Piano, that was our first, like, entrepreneurial venture. You know, I got tired of working for somebody else. I got burned out, like, so many crazy hours. And we decided to, well, I got, I did a consulting gig for the blue piano at first to make the wine list and the menu and to open it so that it would run properly. Then they offered us to buy into it as partners. And we like looked at each other and we're like, well, if we're ever going to have a chance, if we're ever going to do something, then, you know, this is the chance. And at that time I was 29 years old. He was 31 or 32. And that was the beginning of this journey, you know, as far as like having your own business and just our, our entrepreneurial ventures together, because we got to do something that we, we opened up a progressive wine bar that was mirrored after one of my favorite wine bars in New York called Terroir, like my own little personal version of Terroir. Um, even though like he's kind of a master, um, And he did the food portion of it. And so I would do the wine service and, you know, host these wine dinners and tastings and whatnot. And he did the food component. Um, And we had a really amazing go as part of the partnership for six months. But then, like, the partnership turned sour. And with the partnership not going so well, um, we they basically locked us out. Of the blue piano. What? Yeah. So you showed up one day and it was... they. Yeah. They like asked <gasps> us to come in and they're like, we want your keys. Here's your stuff. You need to take your stuff and leave. I bet they're kicking themselves right now. And... Hmm. Well, where's the blue <laughs> piano now? Hmm. Exactly. It's non-existent. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, blue piano. Um, And so from there, we we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and I started sending resumes out and I didn't, you know, I had just left working for somebody. So I didn't want to go back into that managerial world. And I didn't know if I wanted to get my MBA or, you know, if I even want to stay in Miami and, um, nobody was calling me back on my resumes. I would hire, I would like apply for like server positions and people were like, are you kidding me? You're overqualified. Correct. (laughs) Correct. So I was, and I was like, but 
you know, I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I want to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm not going to burn you. I'm going to put my left, my best foot forward. And, um, but no, no callbacks. And then my grandfather passed away. So I went to San Francisco. So I had, um, I have family over there and Caesar was like, and I was like, Caesar, let's just move to San Francisco. We have a support system. They'll help us, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, look, when you come back, let's do something called a pop-up. It's like, oh, what? He sent me all these links and I started, you know, reading, looking at videos, getting familiar with what a pop-up was. And when I came back from the funeral, um, that's when we started hashing out the plan for Fukia, the pop-up. Right. So I want to understand just and also for the listeners, like when you pop up, it's kind of like just a trial, right? Like you try it out or is it like why would obviously it makes sense financially right. to just pop up mm-hmm. and then test it a bit? Is Correct. that correct? It's a it's a it's a temporary concept. Pop ups are temporary concepts. Pop ups are not like one night only. That's called a guest. <laughs> it's called a guest chef, guest appearance, guest bartending. That's not a pop up. A pop up is a concept that has a predetermined lifespan. That comes and then it goes. It wraps up. And so at the time, what Fukia, uh, what Fukia was, is um, it was taking over a morning bistro. And we did curtains and table settings and everything. And we would take this morning bistro and we would convert it into a completely different restaurant at nighttime. It was actually an Israeli bistro during the daytime. Um, and we would go shopping for fresh ingredients every single day because we had no refrigerant. We had limited refrigeration, you know, limited storage. So it was literally, we put together a menu, we went shopping, we prepared the menu, we cooked it, sold it next day, same thing happened. And so it was literally like from scratch every single day. And, um, lucky for us that we were the first ones to do it. And that Vietnamese was such a there was such a void for Vietnamese food that like it just took off like wildfire. So something that came out of like desperation because nobody was calling us back. Like we didn't have jobs. We're like, what the fuck? How are we going to pay our, how are we going to pay our bills? Like, and I had a credit card and we put two and a half grand onto that credit card. We just maxed it out so that we could do this pop-up concept. And how long does typically a pop-up would last? Mm, it, It, it just has a lifespan. Okay. Fukia took three months. Eating House came afterwards, and I think that was six months. And then they... oh, Eating House was yours as well. No, no, oh, not ours. Okay. No, no, no. That's Giorgio. But it was a pop up yes. too. Before in the same location where it is now, oh, okay. it was also a pop up. And I think it was open for like six months. And then they're like, you know, the the landlord was like, "Do you want this?" And and they stayed. Right. And like, and look at them. They're six years later. Right. Eating House is still here. And you also had the federal. Right? Yeah. I I went. Oh. They used to have the best like brunch. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you used to have the best brunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I think we upped the brunch game with Sancocho Sundays here. Yes, I have to Seriously? come. We have to come to Sancocho Sundays. Like okay. because you guys do the pho. We do pho Sancocho style, but we've also got empanadas, pan de bonos, arepa. Like so, we're taking Colombian inspirations, the Vietnamese inspirations, and and mashing it together. Caesar's Colombian. Correct. So we're taking both of our heritages and oh, like cool shoving them together. I love it. Yeah. So you have the pop up Fukia. Mm-hmm. First of all, I want to know why Fukia. So, I love the name because when I first saw it, and everybody I'm sure told you, of it's course, like, yeah, of course, it's yeah. <laughs> the first thing. You and think I would of. be like, "No, it's Fukia, guys. It's Fukia." <laughs> <laughs> 
So the play on words does not escape us. Um, but the word Phuc, P-H-U-C, is actually a Vietnamese name. It's a unisex name. And it means blessings, prosperity, and good fortune. I love it. So much positive energy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's manifestation right there at its finest. Absolutely. And then so, yeah, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, okay. you know, it's just us, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was a three-month pop-up. Who calls a restaurant fuck yeah? Like, what is that? Like, That's so cool, though. You know, my mom was like, call it Lemongrass Cafe or some shit like that. I was like, <laughs> no, mom. We're playing hip-hop. And <laughs> we're, we're like kind of renegade. We're just scrappy like that. There Which was no... Because yeah. you are infusing your 90s inspiration because you guys grew up in New York. Yeah. So tell us about that because like also like the hip hop component is so cool. Yeah, the hip hop component is clutch. So, I mean, what we wanted to create was a concept that reflects who we are as people. So I grew up in New York in the 90s. Caesar grew up in Patterson. We both like loved old school hip hop, still love old school hip hop. Um, graffiti was a big thing at that time as well. And just to be able to put, you know, the inspiration of like how, um, geographically and, and time-wise where we grew up to where we were at that point was, was kind of key. And then the reason why I was Vietnamese was because when I came back from my dad, my grandfather's funeral, it was, it was just, it just felt right. You know, it felt right. It was just a celebration of who we, of, of who we are, an expression of who we are. And it continues to be that. I love it. And then, okay, I want to go back to the pop-up. If it was a success, you yeah. guys were probably like, what the fuck? Like, fuck yeah, we oh did it. Oh my God. <laughs> the first night we like opened the door at seven o'clock. And by nine, we had like five menus, five items on the menu. And there was still a line and a wait and everybody but got pissed off. There? But how did you get the word out? First of all, like social media. Okay. Yeah. So we got into the social media game in 2007, both of us, early through on. Twitter and Facebook early on. And, um, and you know, we're still in it. So we, we, man, we, we man our own Instagram accounts, our own Facebook accounts. So social media is probably the most powerful so way to do Caesar things. So you and Caesar do it? Yeah. Oh, cool. He does his. I do Fukia. And, and of course, all the other marketing strategies attached to it. So it's not just social, it's email, anything digital I handle. So then you guys just, hey, we're here. And yep. boom, it was Right. And, it, and at that time, it was Twitter. So we would basically, you know, you do the classic thing. You send out a press release. You announce to people what you're doing. Um, and of course, because we were the first pop-up, everybody's like, Miami's first pop-up. And it was Vietnamese. So, of course, it wasn't, it was something new and out of the box and um were you thinking at that point you were taking a risk i mean it's miami typically people are like latin here is like obviously so prominent and then you go and bring vietnamese but at that point like what do you have to lose yeah no it was a huge risk but it was more the risk not even so much about like um what people would say it was more like would they like it though are they gonna like it yeah that scene, it was like, are they gonna are they gonna dig it? Are they gonna dig the whole unpretentious vibe? Are they gonna dig the hip hop? Because at that time, it wasn't about old school hip hop. Nobody, it was all super housey. My, you know, nobody listened to hip hop. What's like the stigma of Miami as far as like food? It's kind of closed minded, no? Like, and and it's not as progressive as other cities, right? Or do you mean like the consumer itself, yes. or the stigma from people looking at Miami, looking at Miami for food? Yeah, that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Like from from you, like you're the one that is opening up a business, right? And you're coming to Miami. Obviously, it's not like New York or that it's like super open with like different cuisines. And right. Miami's a little bit more like niche, I would say. I think Miami is uh, Miami is afraid. That's what I mean. Yeah. There's kind of like a barrier to. Yes. There's definitely a barrier in people's minds about like what they can, should eat. You know, and, and if they don't know about it or if they haven't been introduced to it by somebody else, there's there's a lot of fear involved there. Um, I don't know if that's a cultural thing, um, but um, but I love that you and Caesar took that risk. And you're yeah. like, you know what? Let's bring something new. Let's some- do something different. And 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 we did it and um, and we killed it, you know, for three months, like. It was crazy because with the federal, so the federal came directly on the heels of Fukia. So Fukia closed the first week of December and then on January 12th of the following year, which was like three weeks away, we opened the federal. So our partner at the federal came to us because he saw what we did at the Blue Piano. He saw what we did at Fukia and he's like, well, these kids can like make lemonade out of mangoes. Like what's happening here? And so we built out um, the federal concurrently while doing Fukia as a pop-up. Nice. Yeah. And um, I went to the federal for an event there. Um, you guys were having an event with like Tabasco. Or right. Something? For South Beach Food and Wine Festival. Yes. Yep. And I remember like, oh, my God, I didn't I never knew this place existed because yep. it's like very hidden. It was mm-hmm. like. But then you go in and you're like, wow, it's amazing. And again, it's like, you know, it's in it's in an up and coming neighborhood. There's like it's a people have a barrier towards things that they don't know, towards the unknown. And so um, it's it's our job to be able to present something that's new and different in an environment that's comforting and welcoming so that at the very least when you get here, you're not like, you know, you got to eat this. Like, it's, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it still is kind of like that. But Well, right. this environment right now, though... Look at your brick and mortar now. This yeah, place is amazing. Is Thank you. The walls are like full of amazing art. And is this everything that you envisioned? Um, it's still a work in progress, honestly. Really? <laughs> it is. I feel like it's perfect. It's still a work it's in massive. progress. It's so big, the space. It yeah. is. It is. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of it that I love. And there's a lot of it that I want to continue to work on. I, I mean... I guess like everything, everything is just progression. Right. So like, it's never going to be perfect, but like, it's beautiful. I love this it's restaurant. Beautiful. It's and beautiful. And it has amazing energy. It, it has does. good vibes. It does. Like if you look on the walls, there's like dates stenciled on the walls. You have like the actual anniversary for Fukia when it was born. That's really cool. Oh, and and then there's other special dates on the wall. There's another one on there that was Caesar and my anniversary that was on there and different people and times and whatnot. And then you look at the actual um, frames and those are pictures of my mom's family from the 60s when she was still in Vietnam. <laughs> that were digitized and you know uh, my friend Miguel Paredes did all of the art and all the murals that we have here and so he would he digitized those images color it colored them put like treatments on them he I have three of the murals that he hand painted like the one that we're sitting in front of he was here for like six weeks wow it took six weeks to do this to do this room wow I mean, he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't here doing it like eight hours a day, but like he'd literally like roll in at like one o'clock in the morning and I'd have like a bottle of champagne on ice for him and yeah. he'd be like painting to like three, four in the morning and then like go do his other stuff. And obviously all of this inspired by you. You came up with all the inspo and then he was like, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. 
That's beautiful. And mm-hmm. then the garden outside. My garden's my favorite and I get to redo it every year. It's <laughs> so cool. Has all these lanterns and it gives cool vibes. I mean, Miami's a little hot right now, but mm-hmm. once it gets cooler, it's such yeah. a cool vibe outside. Well, that's why I get to redo it every year because every year, like once this weather comes in and like the rain destroys everything right. and you have to replace everything. And then so I put fresh foliage, fresh lanterns, I get new furniture. And it's like, again, it's just progression. It's a, everything is in, in flux. Well, I think you guys are doing an amazing job. And I mean, anybody that has not come to Fukia, you guys have to try it. Tell us what are some of like your most favorite dishes and the must-haves. I mean, the buns, I've had the, I've had the pho. Mm-hmm. And I learned that it's not pho, it's pho. Yeah, pho. yeah I learned that last time too. <laughs> so I've never been here. So I'm going to come for my birthday. I promise It's you. in three weeks. So. Yeah. So what am I going to order? What should I order? I mean, I love, I honestly love the more traditional dishes. So we do Vietnamese Cajun and that is, it's a legit fusion actually, because um, if you go to Houston or New Orleans, there's a huge Vietnamese community across the Gulf. Um, And so, and the Cajun, Cajun cuisine comes from the Gulf as well. So they basically took Vietnamese cuisine and took the ingredients that were in the area and made it theirs. And so it, it's a hybrid cuisine. For us, it's about putting together Caesar's culinary background and the, the fact that he spent six years in Houston learning how to cook, exposing himself to those flavors, as well as my culinary background. So you'll look at the menu and there are the Vietnamese inspirations, which are uh, inspired by my mom's family. So papaya salad, imperial rolls, summer rolls, ban kun, which is like a noodle dish with like ground pork and like fish sauce. Um, I tend to go to like those more traditional dishes. And then you've got the Viet Cajun inspiration ones, which are, you know, the Cajun fried rice. Um, and Cajun the meaning noodles. that it's a little spicy? Is that um, what it means? Or no? Not that it's a little spicy, but it's that we're also using Cajun flavorings. Yeah, so andouille sausage, Cajun spice, paprika, um, onion, garlic powder, oh, things that's like that. Oh, considered Cajun spices. Those, yeah, those oh, okay, that flavor okay. profile. Um, and so that's where, you know, half of, the, half of the dishes are more traditional and half of the dishes are more like, I guess, new. Okay. Like a fusion <laughs> art. Yeah. That's the fun part What that Caesar gets to exactly get creative. I mean, he spent we spent five years at the Federal cooking third coast style cuisine. So between Cajun, Mexican and smoke, that was what the Federal was about. And there was no way that we were going to obliterate five years of track history uh, and not bring that to Fukia. So this grown up version of Fukia has been able to take those, that Vietnamese inspiration and taking his past as well and like, you know, mushing it together. I love that you, as a woman, are the mastermind behind all of this. I mean, I understand it's a partnership with Caesar, and shout out to Caesar. We know he's a chef, and obviously he's your partner in this. But you are like the one behind a lot of the big decisions, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we're we're definitely we're obviously we're fifty fifty partners. We're partnership partners in all of this, but we have different strengths. So obviously his is culinary and creative and mine's creative as well. But then I definitely do more of like the business side of the, of what we do. That's amazing because you kind of been behind the scenes and that's why it's, I'm so glad that you're talking to us because (laughs) it's kind of, it's awesome that there's a woman behind all of this too, you know, and I know that you purposely like to put Caesar in the forefront, right? Yeah. But, you know, it's good to shine light on you because you're like, you've been like a 
tough and strong woman from 11 years old and look at the fruit of your labor. Yeah. I'm sure your family have, obviously they've come here, right? Yeah, what, a, what an honor and what a, what a like legacy that you're like celebrating, you know, it must be a beautiful to like know that your mom's like, wow, that she made this because to honor our culture. Well, that, I would like to believe that they're proud of me. Of course they are. <laughs> um, you know, my mom's definitely, my mom's a tough lady. Things are never good enough for her. So instead of saying, you know, when she criticizes something, it's like, it's not that she doesn't like it. It's that you can always do better. You know, so that's the kind of, that's the kind of mom she is. Is, so, she, she, is she a Leo? She right. is a Leo. Oh my god! Oh my god! You're psychic, <laughs> girl. You know why? Because yes. my mother's that way. And she's a Leo, so I get your oh pain, honey. Oh my god! But you know what? That goes back to what you said about like nothing is perfect, and there's still like room. For there's that. always yeah. room it for improvement. Down to you, but it does yes, completely. And for me, it's just more like I'm hard on myself mm-hmm. because of that that like mentality. You know what I mean? But I totally get it because my mom's that way. What's yes. on you? I'm a Gemini. Okay. So it's like, for me, it's like, I, like, I'm definitely not like a hypocrite, but you know, I'm nice or I'm not. Yeah. There's right. no like, you know, there's no in between. It's, that's very much what it is. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a creative type. Um, but oh, I'm for sure. You're a creative type. Yeah. But I'm very like task oriented. Like I love my business. I love handling the business aspect of it. Um, and then of course there's, there's the guest component to it. So establishing those relationships with our guests. And, we and, were talking about that. Yeah. So uh, before we started, I think it was before we started recording, my brain's not working. Um, you were saying that you built these relationships with these guests over the years and they've followed you from mm-hmm. place to place. And mm-hmm. that's so important, especially in the hospitality industry. For sure. And how you built those relationships and they'll follow you everywhere you go they for will. the rest of your life. They absolutely will. And and I know it because I've gone above and beyond the call of duty to make sure that they know that I give a shit about them. Right. That I care about the fact that they're in my space spending their money. So because they've made that decision, I'm conscious of that. And I make sure that when they're here, it's the best money they've spent all week long. Right, because they can choose to go anywhere else, they, but they choose to absolutely, come and see you. Absolutely. Guests have, in Miami, they have thousands of options to go spend their money. So any any business, whether it's restaurants or whatever kind of business it is, you don't just rest on your laurels. You know, you need to make it worth this person's while for whatever that is. And so long as you're tapping into their um, emotions and making them feel like, you know, you're part of my family, you're part, you know, thank you for being here, then it's it's really quite that easy. And if you don't do that, you're taking advantage of a situation. So if you don't see them back, then... I think that's a key to your success too, though. So it's, it's one of them. Mm-hmm. It's one of them for sure. I mean, I, I take that hospitality aspect of it very, very seriously. Well, I think also that's the advantage of supporting small businesses is that personal touch mm-hmm. that you guys give. It's not just coming to like a major chain restaurant where you feel like you're just another customer. Um, you are actually coming to somewhere that you feel like noticed and seen. And I think at mm-hmm. this point in life, people want to be seen and, and, you know, feel special. Correct. And I think that's, that's the beauty of you guys and, and having, you know, such an amazing success is that, you know, part. So much of your interaction, you know, this, this is business. It's transactional. 
But so much of this specific type of transaction is about the experience. It's about what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you taste. It's completely sensory. And um, because it's so much more sensory, it's more about the emotion. It's not just about like looking at a receipt and be like two plus two is four, you know? So um, you have to make sure that you're appealing to all of those senses. And part of that is how did, how did we stimulate you? How did we make you feel? And, and if we make you feel like, like a million bucks and we've done our job and you walked out of here and you, you rolled out full, you got a little buzz on you, you listened to some bomb music, you know, like, and you had people treating you nice, like, I mean, I don't know. That's bells and whistles for me. Experience. Yeah. So what has been like the biggest challenge though, opening a brick and mortar? Because it has, it has to come with its challenges too. Sure. I mean, I don't think the brick and mortar is the, the challenging aspect. I just think that like, you know, opening the business is easy. You know, like sending out a press release, getting people in here because it's new. It's a shiny ball. Oh, here's the new shiny ball. Let's go. You know, but it's keeping that. Just a- sustaining it yeah it's sustaining the business that's a lot harder and how do you sustain it you sustain it by having consistent staff so that you know your service is always great and your servers recognize who your guests are it's having the same guys in the kitchen producing our producing the food that we produce consistently mind you our cooks have been with us since the federal days wow yeah that's loyalty yeah i mean it's crazy it's fam back there so it's like you know, if that that consistency helps us stay here, and they've only gotten better at producing the food because they're they're here. They do it every single day. Um, so that's that's the harder part. You know, staying consistent and and developing the business, and then also you have to continue the creativity because people want something new again. Innovation, so if, yeah. So if you're always serving the same thing, people are going to get bored. Yeah, you've got people that are creatures of habit, but like. You can only go eat pho every single week for oh so long. And then you're like, ah, I'm all fought out. Like, you know, <laughs> and then you don't show up for like three months. Right. <laughs> so um, something that Caesar and I are great at doing are creating fun initiatives for people to come back, you know. Um, so it's not the same stagnant like. Yeah, you created a cool brunch. Yeah. And it's fun and different, like the mm-hmm. cuisine, the, the, the menu. Yeah, we're not. doing, mm-hmm. like right now, our, our, our most recent initiative is Sancocho Sunday. And it's a mashup of Colombian and Vietnamese uh, food for brunch. So it's like, it's our brunch menu, plus uh, Sancocho done fa style. And then we've got a DJ playing. We're, you know, pouring out shots of aguardiente. We're doing- and it's still hip hop? No, no, it's Latin. Oh, it's Latin. So it's it's definitely more like reggaeton, salsa Ooh. vieja. But see, I like that you're not scared of going away from what everybody is used to. You're actually like innovative and creating new concepts like within your own restaurant. I think that's great. Well, because part of this restaurant again is, and people don't realize it. People like they're like, I want Vietnamese food. Vietnamese food equals pho to people. Fuck that. I mean, like, that's so stupid. Why check off a box? It's not all about boxes. So Fukia is always super, has always been super conceptual. It is about, like, who Caesar and I are as people. It's an expression of who we are, where we're going, what we're thinking. And so every single concept that we put together is based around that. Sure, it's under the veil of Vietnamese inspiration, but it's not, you know, we have the, we have the freedom to be... We have the freedom to do whatever we want, actually. That's amazing. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. So between Sancocho Sunday or Arroz con Mango, we threw a party last year once a month called Arroz con Mango. And so that was to highlight um, 
Cuban personalities in Miami and mashing it up with our Vietnamese sensibility in our space. Because arroz con mango means, like for people that are listening, it's kind of like when they say that terminology is like it's kind of like isn't it a saying oh I it is un arroz con mango. it's a disaster <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so the translation is mango and rice yeah mango yeah, and rice don't speak spanish right? which is a dessert is also an asian dessert rice and mango sticky rice with mango they I have did it not know yes they serve it in thai and vietnamese restaurants um but in spanish arroz con mango is you know, like it's a mess it's a yeah mess. like when they're like <laughs> un arroz con mango. It's like that's a fucking mess <laughs> that's a fucking mess and it was <laughs> how cool so yeah so we just we just always do things that are fun and vibrant and just representative of who we are as people and I love that you guys been working together for so long mm-hmm. uh, obviously gone through a, a relationship mm-hmm. but still maintaining like the business aspect as first um, I know that it could probably gotten challenging but you guys got through it together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, like you said you're family yeah at this point yeah see there's like my best friend he's everything that. to me yeah without a doubt I love that that you guys were able to like see past everything else mm-hmm. I mean because working as partners in business, sometimes it can get like, you know, I'm sure there's people that that are listening that are maybe getting into some, you know, entrepreneurial stuff with like their partners. So, I mean, it's dicey. It's always going to be dicey. And Caesar and I, yeah, we were together for 14 years and our lines got too blurred for comfort, you know, and the thing about um, being partners in life or being partners in a business is understanding your boundaries setting the boundaries and respecting the boundaries. And like, it got to a point where there were no boundaries for us. And so now we're at that point in our relationship where, because we're not a couple anymore, we're still business partners and we're still best friends. So you know what? Let's reset. Let's establish those boundaries. And I think that's been why that's been that's the number one reason why we're so successful at it now and believe it or not we're better today as people and as business partners and as friends than we were before wow because we're respecting each other completely well i commend you guys it's very mature yeah because it's easy to let the ego win sometimes but you guys have such a beautiful thing going on that Mm -hmm. it would be such a you know tragedy if you guys absolutely were to like let that get in the way I think we're both good at separating the emotion part. And again, because we're both conscious of like respecting each other, that that's really the most important thing. Exactly. If there's no respect, there's nothing. Right. And, and, and thank God that we were able to get to a point where we realized that and we started working on it. And and here we are today, you know, and, and who would have thunk that in October we would be opening another business. And so we open like, in May, we opened a second restaurant in Time Out Market. So, yes, tell us about that. FOMO. So, FOMO is a uh, fuss shop, actually. And it's um, in Time Out Market, which is on Lincoln Road. Um, really small menu. It's a concession stand. It's got eight dishes. And all we're doing is serving pho, noodles, and bao buns. And that's wow. it. Love it. Yeah. And, um, we spent a year, well, actually, our pho recipe was two years in the making till the point where Caesar was like, I'm happy with this. Um, 
And uh, yeah, we just opened up in May, May 9th, actually. And we're rocking and rolling over there. So, you know, despite any any tragedies, any sort of difficulties in our personal lives, we were able to really put that aside and, and continue to forge on and continue to grow. That's amazing. Yeah. Congrats on that. We actually had Virginia Gill on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And she did it from here. Yeah. So she was telling us about you guys. So I have to try the Tama Market. I haven't been at all. Tama Market's awesome. Right? Yeah, it I is. Did, I love the concept. And then I now that I know you guys are there too, I got to go try it. Yeah, it's great. Um, go, But going with a plan. Why? And going with it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. It's 18 chefs, three bars, a demo kitchen. And it's just, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And if you only go for two, you can only eat so much. Like go in a group, get a map, divide and conquer. Right. No, I know. But as far as you guys, you have this and then you and then you you had to get a new staff for that mm-hmm. side? Or mm-hmm. did you like split up? No, 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 no. We have a new staff. Oh, got it. We have a new staff over there. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to prepare my palate for all of that food. And it's a beautiful space. So it's not just like, it's not just, it's not just the chefs. It's also... Gorgeous layout, beautiful tile, pink, uh, pink terrazzo um, countertops. Like it's just, it's a cool spot. Wow. I love that you're into detail. Love it. Yeah. The (laughs) the devil is in the detail. The devil is in the detail. Yes, it is. So, okay. We're here now. Where do you see yourself in like, let's say another five years? What, another concept maybe? Or Um, or maybe just something else not another concept not yet I would you know in my dream of dreams I'd love to have like three to five fukias in different in different cities Uh, maybe San Francisco I think it would be good in San Francisco and and New York I don't know about San Francisco why I don't know I don't know I don't know about San Francisco but everyone's always telling me about New York New York for sure yeah everyone's always telling me New York um and then I also want to have like I want FOMO to grow like FOMO is when we're talking about pop-up concepts so timeout leases are are year to year and so this was our opportunity to beta test test Mm -hmm. a concept in in a controlled environment and it's working so the idea of like growing FOMO to be a few concession stands would be kind of awesome that's amazing. I think mm-hmm. it, it could definitely go there. Mm-hmm. But I love that you light up when you talk about all of this. She you're, does. Right? Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's like so into it and which I love it because it's like you're. that just means you're doing the right thing. Yeah. It lights you up. I love, I actually, I love what I do. It has its challenges. It's not, it's not, I mean, I'm not saving the world here. I, I feed people for a living, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but. It is, honey. T- <laughs> we love to eat. We love to eat. <laughs> yeah. You'd be surprised. Like eating is life or death for some people, whether it's $100 per person or $15 per person. It's life or death for some people. So, hey, I, lo- I, I do. I do. I really, I love what I do. And I like the challenges that come with it. Love it. Well, I think little Annie is, is so proud of you. <laughs> the 11-year-old is like, damn, I'm such a boss. Yeah. <laughs> So good job on that. I really do feel scrappy. <laughs> That's that. good. You gotta be. Yeah. So, yes. so any advice for any future restaurateur females out there that are wanting to follow in your footsteps and kind of create and open up a pop-up or a restaurant, anything, any advice you can give them? I mean, cause it's not an easy industry to get into. No, you know, it's, it's, it's borderline male, impossible. Right. And it's it's borderline impossible. Not even because it's a male female thing. It's border, it's borderline impossible because of the sacrifice. 
Right. You know, it's a seven day a week sacrifice. You're right. It's a it's not just even seven days. It's 12, 14, 16 hour days. Like it's a sacrifice. So, you know, for the woman, the woman that wants to have her cake and eat it, too, you need to define what that cake is, mm. you know, and if you don't get every single if you're not going to if you think that you want to be a mom, get married, you know, have the perfect have the perfect relationship, take vacations, um, it's going to take a minute to get there. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm not saying that it's not going to happen ever, but like, you also need to understand that if you thought you were going to be like a mom at 27 and have like five restaurants under your belt and <laughs> yeah, like That's, it doesn't work yeah. that way. So you need to understand, you need to, first of all, take the risk if you want to do it. Cause you'll have, you have nothing to lose. But once you've taken that risk, understand that there are, it comes with sacrifices and, you know, and, and just be super organized about, about your life and what you want to do. So give yourself deadlines. If by this point you didn't accomplish this and you still want to do that, then, then do that. Um, Otherwise you're just going to get sucked into the business. Right. That's really good advice, actually. So it makes sense. How do you find balance though? Like you have to have a day like where you're like, okay, I got to disconnect. So again, you define your balance. Right. You as the individual, no matter what your field is, you have to define your balance. So yeah, I work 14 hour days. I wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and I do like my morning rituals. And then I start working on my, on my phone or my laptop. And then at that point at 1030, I go spinning, I go spinning I go home, I keep working. And then if I had a strength training day at 4.30, I go and work out. I go change. I come back to the restaurant. I work service. Um, I go home. And at that point, once I've gone home, I generally don't pick up any technology anymore. It's my time to kind of like veg out. But like my balance is my, my, my training, whether it's spinning, whether it's berries, whether it's um, my strength training at BeFit, like that's that's my balance and um that's not for everybody that's not for everyone that's not for everybody and my balance also my sleep so don't mess with my sleep (laughs) well that's good that's good that you you prioritize correct because you go to the gym every day like you i do do something every day. yeah i train six times a week wow yeah so and goals that's and goals. that's part of her dedication though she's a dedicated yeah. person i can tell that when you set your mind to something you pull completely mm-hmm. completely and but that's also what keeps me super chill like i'm not like an when i when i work i'm not an explosive person i don't believe in like screaming or disrespecting people i don't ever cuss at you don't get me wrong i curse like a sailor but i'm it's never directed to anyone per se i don't believe in that that's not my management style Um, but what helps me do that is the working out because I'm able to release so much effort in those moments that when I come here, everything's really calm and cool. Like, don't get me wrong. You know where you stand. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you did something right and you know, when you fucked something up, (laughs) okay. Like, you know where you stand, but there's a way of communicating that to people. Well, I love it. I think everyone's going to be inspired by your story. You're a badass girl. You are a badass. So how was you it? You, it you, you, did, <laughs> you did your first podcast. How was it? Not so bad, right? No, not bad. I mean, like, I'm still, like, 
feeling weird about it, but, but why? <laughs> okay. were you even nervous? No, you don't even seem nervous at all. You, I mean, we're just having a friendly conversation. Right. Where we picked up right from where we started before yeah. we started recording. No, I know. I have no idea how it's all going to, I have no idea how it's going to come out, you know, once it's all finished. It's, you're going to see, you're going to love it. And you people are going to start so following you and they're going to be like, oh my God, she's such a boss. Yeah. And you're going to inspire someone because that's the whole point of this is to tell your story so that girls can be like, dang she could do it all she went through all that and she's still there and trust me you're gonna inspire a lot of girls you will it's weird so where can people like follow you or or oh, just hit you up well you can follow me at fukia i i run um our social on fukia my personal is ani underscore e m m m m m m like five m's <laughs> How do, you spell, how do you spell Annie for them? A-N-I. Okay. A-N-I underscore E and then five M's after that. Because it's um, all those millions, girl. Girl. <laughs> we need those. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with Rachel Hollis. Oh, tell me about her. I don't know who what? that is. Oh, my God. She is like my, she's like my girl crush right now. I love this woman. Everything that she says is incredible. Um, she's... Pro- I guess she would be like the equivalent. I don't know if the equivalent because she hasn't been doing it as long, but she is like the Tony Robbins, the female version of Tony Robbins right now. And um, she has, um, motiv- she does motivational speaking. She's got like a business series. She has a line on QVC, but, but anyway, um, her morning routine, which I have yet to start because I finally figured out like how, how I want, how I want it. You know, you, you have a dream and you want to manifest that. So her morning routine is to write down her goals as if they had already happened hmm. every single morning on a sticky note in a notebook, put it on a mirror, like you manifest those goals as if they had already happened. But are you thinking, are you giving gratitude to the things that already happened? Or you just, how, for how instance, do you, give an example. So yeah. like, so one of, okay. my five-year goal is to grow Fukia, to have three, three Fukias and to have five FOMOs. So, so like, so in the morning, my, my, my intention, my dedication in my mornings is going to be like, Fukia, New York. Okay, got it. Okay. Sticky note. Sticky note. Yeah. Fukia, New York. Um, Check. Uh, Like the to-do list already done. Yeah, it's your bullet point. FOMO, Brickle City Center. Check. I love it. (laughs) And so once you start, you you know, once you start thinking that you can accomplish something... You and you, you do to, it all mm-hmm. the time and do it consistently. Then you have like, to be in the feeling of already having it. Right, right, yes. right. Because once you've already got it, the self doubt doesn't come into play. I know, isn't it? The only thing stopping you self-doubt. from doing anything is the self doubt. Oh, but what if? Oh, but what if? Or I don't see it, so it's not here yet. It's not there. So until I see it, it's not happening. Right. And it could be something as little as like what you put on this morning or it could be like your actual goals. Like Caesar's like, why don't you just go to your interview in like gym clothes? Like rock out your your bomb ass like kicks and just do you. Yeah, that's why I told you. I was like, girl, come comfortable. I mean, yeah, we're going to take some pics. So like be cute, but yeah. like just be you because that's that like that we want you to be authentic so if mm-hmm. you're like uncomfortable and oh something tight or something like that like 
Like I'm not like that dress girl. Like I'm media girl. <laughs> so not mm-hmm. so not into the hair and makeup. I mean, I am, but not like that. Like I'm just chill. She has beautiful skin, guys. Mm-hmm. And these eyelashes. Yes. Hey. But yeah, CVS. <laughs> <laughs> so on your sticky note, you got New York, you got uh, FOMO and Brickle City Center, mm-hmm. and then what else? Um, half marathon. Okay. Ooh. Have yeah. you done one before? No, I've never. I'm not a runner. I'm a terrible runner, but. I'm super athletic and super competitive. Yes, girl. I saw your legs. You got some good <laughs> legs, girl. I see you. <laughs> so, um, so that's on there also. And actually, after we get out, um, I want to start riding bike again. So we used to we we used to cycle together, and we would do like it at our best. We were doing almost a hundred miles a week. Oh wow! What? Yeah. That was before Caesar had his back injury. Now he's got three herniated discs. It's terrible. He suffers a lot. Aww. So he gave me his bike and I brought it to, to Bike Tech yesterday to go get tuned. So I'm like, I'm going to jump back on that. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Good. So that, yeah, that whole like morning posted manifestation is still a work in progress in my mind. But um, probably, I mean, I, I think I've, I've got it. But every morning has yeah. to be a different thing. Um, or it can it has to be the same thing over and over or I, whatever you want i think it's whatever yeah, you I want but i think that like in order to in order to change the mindset you have to create consistency so if you're bouncing around like a pinball boom 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 boom, boom you're never going to accomplish shit right right so the morning routine is super important right mhm i know that that's it's focused they always say like the most successful people always either wake up early and have like a set routine every day well i can't do the waking up early me like, neither, girl. Facts, I can't because I get to bed. <laughs> I get to bed way too late. Like I get to bed like normally between. And you've been on your feet all day. Yeah, between oh. like twelve thirty and two in the morning is generally when I get to bed. So I wake up at about seven. I can't do before that. That's still waking up really early. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's like <laughs> sleep at that time. I'm like, I'd have to be like in bed by six p.m. to wake you up. You go to bed mad early. Alex. I do. I go to bed at like eight. I know. My dream is to be in bed and tucked in by eleven. But then it's like I'm already put it on your sticky then. note. But the moment, but the moment I'm in bed by eleven, I guarantee I'll be up by five. Wow. Well, but that's okay because then you get your day started earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the only reason. The only reason I would would want to be in bed by 11 is so I could wake up early and do more shit. Right. Yeah. That's why. Because then you have a longer day and you can get all your to-do list done. But like it's everyone thinks it's like a it's a mental glitch. It's a scratch. But but manifestation is important in your life. That's good. It is. Manifestation is important because you need to see where you're going in order to get there. You need, like, everybody needs a north. If you have no north, mm. then what are you doing? Everybody needs a north. I love that. I want to do, I'm definitely going to do a graphic on that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to put your name on it. Yes, I love it. Everyone needs a north. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm trying to think what my north is. I guess everything. I just have, I just need to, like, be more in the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Of like all the things that I want to manifest. Because if you're in the feeling of it, then it's easier to do because you're always thinking about it. You know, like it's you like taskmaster through everything that you have to do. So, yeah, that's the that's the north. Amazing. Well, to end it, let's end it with we haven't done boss moment in a long time. We haven't. You're right. OK, so we're going to end it 
don't worry. She's looking at me like, <laughs> no, oh, you're scared. <laughs> <laughs> we don't didn't worry. talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> no, what we call boss moment is like anything that you're celebrating, anything that you're proud of. Maybe this week, today, yesterday, what maybe you're going to be proud of in the future. Or like you hit like your goal at the gym or whatever. Yeah, like anything, anything you're small proud of that big. you're celebrating. So if you want, we could start with Alex. Alex oh, can- <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Go ahead, Alex. Shit, I don't know. Hold on. Okay. Um, this week you did a lot of boss moment stuff. I did mean, I? I mean, I don't know. You're a boss, but <laughs> you did a lot of boss moment uh, stuff this weekend. Okay, so yeah, you my start. boss moment is that I bought a house. Yeah, nice by myself, and I did the whole process by myself, and it was nerve wracking. Right, and but and it was like a special case in my case, but. I had never thought I could do it and I did it and I'm super proud of myself and I can finally breathe. So that's my boss moment for sure. Okay. Well, okay. I have one that I think it's like a big one and I just haven't told anyone yet. I mean, you guys know, obviously, but I'm going to be a mom. So Yay! I think that that's a huge thing. Oh my God, thing. this is, you're finally like, this is the press release yeah. right now. <laughs> press release. Sorry, guys, listeners, listeners. Yeah. I'm going to have a little fan. girl. There's going to be a GGB baby. A, a GGB baby who's going to be a future GGB. Oh, I love Hopefully it. Hopefully she'll take this on in like 10 <laughs> I'm no, not super 10 years, proud of you. You're such Thank a, you. you're going to be a great it mom. Was, um, it was, was uh it took a long time and a little help of science but we're finally here and gabby's gonna be a tia yes and i'm so happy i can't wait to meet her and what i love about you is that you never gave up i didn't it's been so many years so and it's been a journey yeah yeah because nothing that's what i want the listeners to know that like oh yeah you know you see us like thriving and all that but it's a journey to get to where we're at and guys i've been through hell with exactly. this one day we're gonna we need to talk to like a fertility specialist yeah but a lot of things have happened in like the past few years with it that it to get to where I am and like knowing that I'm gonna have a little girl now it's beautiful it's really a miracle and that the psychological the, components of it the sure. constant roller coaster yeah. of like you know the what if what if what if and mm-hmm. the success and failure and you know you just never know right so yeah so she's gonna be here um January. January 2020. Yay! Nice. So I feel very pregnant right now and like bloated. That's a super boss moment. Okay, but you know what? I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to hijack this episode now. But I'm so mad at every single friend I've ever had that has kids for never telling me that when I sneeze, I'm going to pee. <laughs> that I'm going to have hemorrhoids. That I can't sleep at night. Like, oh, what I see, I'm though. so mad at everybody for not telling me these things. Like, thanks, guys. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that's not the it. fun part. But no. I don't know if I want to be pregnant because of that. No, you, you can't let that stop you. Though. I know, girl. Really? But I'm a hypochondriac. I can't be having shit. I don't know. <laughs> Happens to my body. That's true. Well, that's true. okay. That's, your boss. That moment, becomes no? that becomes your north, right? You know, you've decided. You decided which slice of cake you wanted to eat at what point in your life, and. Now this is the one that you that yeah. you're deciding to have, and that's that comes with its own set of sacrifices. And right. Yeah, new priorities. Yeah. It's crazy for it's sure. Crazy. Just thinking about it, my whole life is going to change at 39. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's your boss moment? Um, I don't know because I really I. I re- these are like huge milestones for you, but you know what? It, you, it, but it doesn't have to be anything. It's, it just happens to be we're going through this right. thing at the no, same time. I know. Some weeks it's like we've actually finished reading a book. Yeah, you know? I think <laughs> I like, think that like I think that it's important to relish in the moment. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So if you don't take advantage and and really appreciate small moments in your life, people always ask me, what do you think is happiness? Like happiness, is that like a state of mind? Like are you in a constant state of euphoria? I'm like, no, girl, <laughs> no way. But there are moments throughout the course of the week that like, make you a happy person so like on monday i hit um i hit a pr and i did like 145 pound like deadlift wow you know on monday and then um a couple days ago i had an amazing meeting with my dad and caesar and we we set some we set some deadlines and some goals for ourselves that's a phenomenal success for us um yesterday i listened to a podcast and um And one of the guests was a lady that started a makeup company and she went on QVC and and she sold it. And and her whole thing was she was a makeup artist for for Beyonce as well. And Beyonce went to her. This is Beyonce, queen, you know, and you've got queen going to her makeup artist. She's like, make me feel good about myself. And so her life's mission is to make women feel good about themselves and so that the women can like manifest their power through beauty and we all it's and it's not a vain thing it's not a vanity thing it's about wanting to feel good in your skin so that you can execute at the highest possible level and that's the kind of power that she wanted to bring to people and I never really thought about like beauty or looks And I never framed it that way. I was just kind of like, oh, I kind of want to look like what I see in the mirror. But then like when she said, no, beauty manifests power. It's like the power suit. Remember you know, about that with Heather Monaghan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to, thing. and it's not like big hair, and it's not like, you know, it's not extensions, not, it's none of that shit. It's just like, what but it's what makes you, you know? And so she wants to make sure that like women feel their best, whatever that might mean to, in order to manifest the highest form, in, in order to manifest the power within them so they can accomplish what they want every single day. And it was 30 seconds. But it was probably the most powerful 30 seconds of my day yesterday between all the shit that I was doing all day. So what podcast is that in case anybody else wants to listen to it? Oh, that was Rachel Hollis too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, you guys. I'm going to listen to that one. That's like her most recent one. She just did a business conference in Minneapolis called Rise. And um, I would love to be able to go to one of her like uh, conference one of these days. I'm going Without to. Without sticky notes. I know. I will. <laughs> I will. I will. So I'm gonna. I'm doing Tony Robbins in November. It's gonna be my first motivational slash business conference that I've ever gone to. I'm very excited about it. Here um, in Miami. Here in Miami. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. I love him too. Yeah. It's just expensive as fuck. Well. And intense as fuck. I got a really good deal. So if you want to do it, then oh, yeah? like, let me know. Because I kind of got a bomb hookup. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll for talk sure. For yeah. sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but it's like three days of intense. It's like 10 in the morning to midnight for three days. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, what is it called again? It's some, uh, I forgot the name. God, I forgot what it was called. You know who did it? Cheryl did it. And she loved it. She she really liked it. She's, yeah, I know a lot of people. I mean, I would love to do it. Yeah. So let it's me let, yeah. you know how much he has. Is. He has different tiers of 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 uh, meetings. I forgot what this one was called exactly, but this one is specifically like geared towards business and entrepreneurs. You know how to improve. So it's not just it's not just a motivational thing. It also gives you like tactical resources on like how to do oh, things. That's great. Yeah. And his his uh, Netflix special was really good too. Amazing. So if anybody wants to. Look- 
like it was can't based it, can just... it was based on that oh, really? series yes okay cool it's it's that series of meetings that he did that netflix okay guys so if you guys can't go or afford it watch it on netflix yeah wow so yeah those are amazing boss moments and thank you for those gems at the mm-hmm. end thank you but thank you girl i think we did amazing we, you t- did so we touched upon a lot of different things yeah and celebrated your journey that's what the point was so feel proud of yourself and i mean your whole life is a boss moment girl it is. That's true. Like, what's my boss <laughs> moment? My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you, Annie, so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for, thank you for having thank me. You. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.